Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Saturday, June 11th, and we are here talking to a very special guest today because it is Pride Month and I am out and proud. I am your, not just your favorite personal finance CBS News business analyst. I may also be your favorite, perhaps your only LGBTQ member of a community who also holds a podcast and talks about your financial life. There are other LGBTQ people hosting podcasts, of course, but I don't know. They're probably not answering your financial questions, are they, Mark? Yeah, there could be like, oh, there's maybe some folks who listen to Kara Swisher, and she's great. She has those two podcasts. One is the New York Times podcast, Sway, and the other one, she co-hosts with uh, Scott Galloway, which is called Pivot. I like that one. Do you listen to that, Mark, or not? No, it's, it's good. I, I think you'd like it. Anyway, um, today we have the beginning of a two-part interview with uh, my friend Glenda Testone. Glenda is the executive director of the LGBTQ Center here in New York City. And in the first part of the interview, we're just going to talk a little bit about the center, what it does. This is part of our Pride Month celebration. And um, we might have another guest or two to do something during Pride Month because, you know, I am an out and proud gal. So let's try to do it. So here's part one of our interview with Glenda Testone. Important disclosure, Mark, you know, I like to dot my I's and cross my T's. I am on the board of the LGBTQ Center. Um, Mark, would it, would it surprise you to learn that um, they quickly made me become the treasurer? <laughs> I don't know if that was why, but it was like within minutes that all of a sudden I get a phone call from our interviewee, Glenda, who's like, listen, I have an ask of you. Anyway, Glenda, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on, Jill. It's awesome to be here. 
I, I also feel a little bit like poor Glenda, like hears me as being like a very major league naysayer doubter when I'm on board meetings. And I'm like, how are we going to do that? And what's plan B? And so, you know, Mark, how I am, I am the, you know, sometimes I'm Jill the dream crusher. I play that role often on nonprofit <laughs> boards as well. So Glenda, okay, let's start in with this. So first of all, it's Pride Month. And you are running an LGBTQ center in New York City. And I think a lot of people who listen to our program all over the country, all over the world, are, must be thinking like, geez, uh, why do they need that in New York City? So why does the center exist? Why don't you do a little history and why does it exist today? Sure. Uh, so the center was founded in 1983 in the height of the AIDS crisis and um, it was really created because New York's LGBTQ community didn't have a place other than the bars to gather and to really organize and activate and start programs and deliver services. And so the center became that hub. Uh, and we have been doing that ever since for the last almost 40 years, providing uh, community support connection um, for folks uh, who are LGBTQ and allies and um, folks should come on down if they're in the area. It's an amazing place. Well, let me let me ask you this, though. So I understand a a community center starting almost 40 years ago. Why does it need to exist today? I mean, especially in a place like New York City where gay people have pretty much, um, you know, the run of the city, let's just say. Um, why does it need to exist? <laughs> I, I like that rumor. Gay people are running the city. So, I, you know, the needs have changed over the years, but they, they are still there. Um, so I, I would say, especially, you know, two years ago when the pandemic started, um, we were already delivering mental health services and, and substance abuse services um, and services for LGBT young people who are coming out and coming into their own. And the pandemic just exacerbated that. People felt really isolated, hard time connecting with each other. Um, everybody struggled. And so we, we really saw, saw a, a sharp spike in our community around their needs in terms of connection and, and mental health concerns. And we were able to bring those services uh, online virtually really quickly and, um, and saw huge demand and were able to meet that demand. So there are certainly still things uh, that our community needs. And, and I would say most of all, we need each other. Yeah, you can go to a therapist. And um, if you have the resources to do that, not everybody does. But there's something different about a group therapy in an LGBT setting or seeing an art exhibit um, with your peers. That's about black lesbians or something. So the community aspect is always needed. So in addition to the physical location in the village, you have a lot of online um, services. Are those continuing in this, you know, whatever this is? I don't know. Year, let's just call it year three of COVID. Is that <laughs> continuing? Year three. They are because we found that uh, we, we have been able to reach people that aren't able to come to the center. So people that live in the city or the the tri-state area who, for whatever reason, cannot actually get to the physical location, but they're able to access the virtual services and we don't want to cut them off. We want to still offer those opportunities while also ramping up uh, the in-person opportunities for folks to come and, and, and do those things at the center in the physical building as well. 
What if someone's listening and there's no community center for them and they're in Oklahoma? Can they come and use those services, the services as well? There are certainly some of the services that they can use. Our website, it's gaycenter.org, is a wealth of resources, information, videos, links, um, all kinds of things. I will also mention I am on the board myself of an organization called Centerlink. And Centerlink is the organization, the membership organization of all the LGBT centers across the country. And there, there is at least one center in the state of Oklahoma and Tulsa, I believe, <laughs> There may be more, um, but there are more centers than folks might think. There are actually 250 plus across the United States and across the world. Um, So lots of centers and growing. Why have, I mean, one big um, of the, one of the pillars on the website is career services. Yes. Now, why do you think that's important for the community that you have your, I mean, listen, it's a hot job market right now, but like, why have these kinds of services that are specifically tailored for LGBTQ people? That's such a great question. And I appreciate the opportunity to say this. You know, I I think a lot of people hear LGBT or they hear gay folks and they think of like a really wealthy gay white man. And the reality is economically, our community, if you look at the majority of our community, lesbians, people of color, trans, gender expansive folks, they are not wealthy they are struggling. They are struggling with poverty. They are struggling to get and maintain a job. Um, And they're struggling with discrimination, you know, and really having a challenge trying to create a a sustainable livelihood for themselves. So that we realized um, pretty quickly was something we needed to help support our community on, um, that people really needed help kind of figuring out how to how to come out at work, how to transition at work, how to become the person they want to be um, before they even go into the workplace. So we do a lot of work from youth on up, um, helping people figure out who they want to be professionally and what does that look like and what's available to them um, and, and really helping support them through that process. Because Overall, though it is New York City and in some ways things are getting better, there's still a challenge there. There's still really a lot of bias and discrimination that folks face when they are trying to make money to support themselves and their families. And the LGBT community is not (laughs) wealthier than other communities. So uh, we really do need that support. Although if you are a rich, white, gay man, of course, Glenda would be happy to accept all donations. (laughs) So don't, don't, don't hesitate. Um, Glenda, I was just out uh, with friends of ours in New York City. And my friend Anne is on the board of Parents and Friends of Lesbians and Gays, or PFLAG. So what kind of resources does the, does the center work with an organization like PFLAG and refer out? Like, let's say that someone's listening to this and they're like, well, I'm not gay, but I think maybe my kid is, or I'm worried, or I'm, I don't know what to do with it. What's the best step for someone who's in that position usually? So the great thing about the center is that we work with everyone. Um, we don't provide everything, but we wind up sort of being the 311 for the LGBT community in New York City. So I I get emails all the time from parents who are like, I think my kid or my kid's friend is 
non-binary and using they, them, what does that mean? How could, you know, help me understand. So we work with a lot of organizations uh, that provide specific services and provide a lot of services ourselves. So we have services for young people that are going through that, but also for parents um, who are trying to figure out how to support their kid who may be uh, queer, trans, non-binary, any number of different things in our community. So we have counselors and resources and workshops and, and things that we do to really try and equip people to understand our community as it evolves. Um, and then we work with with a lot of different partners to supplement all that work. Okay, that was part one of our interview with Glenda Testone of the LGBTQ Center of New York City. Tomorrow we'll have part two. If you've got financial questions, of course we are here for you. All you need to do is go to our website, jillonmoney.com, click contact us, fill out the form, let us know if you'd like to come on the air and we will arrange everything else. Don't forget, while you're on the website, sign up for the free weekly newsletter. It's free every single Friday. It's such a good way to get into your weekend, kind of recaps everything. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple and try to lift someone up today. It will make that person feel good and it will make you feel good. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.